alive, folks. Back from the dead. Back from the ground from whence we came. Arisen from the murky depths, you see. (laughs) We heard last week that you guys had some amateurs on here (laughs) spinning a couple of yarns for you. Is that a phrase? Spinning a couple yarns? Yeah. Okay. Well, I know spinning a yarn is a phrase. So I, I would imagine that you could spin a couple of yarn, but that might be a tapestry at that rate. So I'm not really sure. I'm not sure. Yes. Uh, they didn't know what to expect last week. They <laughs> opened up their podcast app and they heard not us. No, talking. no. They uh, heard our lovely Murder Mod Squad mm-hmm. moderators uh, for the Facebook group who hosted the show last week. So thank you very much to Christy and Danielle. Yeah, those two bitches are the ones that approve or deny you if you try to get into our Facebook group. Yeah, so you might want to think about that before you leave feedback on the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The only feedback that they would share is like, um, can they come host the show now? Like, mm-hmm. Right, I mean, they were... You know, <laughs> on time, much great better. content, you know, that sort of thing. No, it's uh, fine. We love you guys. If you want to hear more from Christy and Danielle and interact with them, they can be in our, you can join. They can be, they are in, in fact, <laughs> and you can be, you too can be in our Facebook group. Um, so if you go to facebook.com and you search the Haunted Heart podcast, you will find one of two things, or you might find both things. Uh, you will find our page where we post news and events and if we do live shows and things like that. Uh, so far, we have a grand total of one live show, but we're working on more. I promise, Texas. We're, we're coming. We're, we're trying. We're yeah. trying. We're really trying to just come in you really hard. We're coming like an experienced, seasoned professional. Just takes a while. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We want you to have a good time. Um, the other thing that you'll find if you search the Haunted Heart Podcast on Facebook.com, you will find our closed group. It's a closed group for your privacy, and the moderators, who were last week's guest hosts, uh, are Christy and Danielle, and so if you want to hear more from them, if you want to talk more fucking goosebumps, I'm always down to do that, join the Facebook group. Kenny and I are there too, but I mean, honestly, it's not about us. No, it's not about us, because we have way too many people who are so, so, so much better at uh, being cool as fuck than, than we are. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. That's it for the Facebook plug. <laughs> it was a bigger one. It was a bigger plug Ooh. for you. Yeah. Bet they Just like that. your holes. Anyway. Um, so I'm back. I'm back from abroad. Yeah, I know. Like, I literally, I just... um. I sat down. Um, I was, you know, wasn't sure if she was going to be here. I sat down to just record myself, and then poof, by like some form of bitchcraft, she showed up to the podcast <laughs> today. Um, I'm actually like, uh, oh, what is it? Project astral projecting you're right astral now. Astral projecting, yeah. It's you fine. actually didn't come back from where you Fuck were. Yeah. I'm not going to tell people where you were because I want you to do that. Oh, I was in Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, I can't do a Scottish accent to save my fucking you're life, but I love to, it. So they say when you're trying to do a Scottish accent that you're supposed to swallow. Like, swallow Oh, I always words. do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my words. Words, Katie. You're mm. supposed to swallow your words. That's how it's supposed to sound. 
No. No, like that's that. not. That's not what they sounded like. No, it's. I can tell you from experience. No, I uh, went to visit a lovely friend of mine and her fiancé, who is also a friend of mine um, now, and uh, we went all over Scotland. Not all over. It's, it's a bigger place than you would assume, than we as Americans might assume. But uh, they shared their lovely country with me, and I was very appreciative. And I did all manner of things witchy. Um, and I actually came back with some tidbits to share with you on today. Some information. Some information. She, um, you, you got some recording. Uh, not recording. You didn't record no. on the podcast. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, she, of course she no. didn't get any recording. We are not advanced um. enough for that yet. I don't <laughs> have the little box that I can carry around to put my head in to like record that like all the big podcasters do. No, she no. texted me and she was like, Kenny, I should just travel more often. I got like three episodes written. And Fuck I'm like, yeah. What? September about to be lit AF, fam. <laughs> Yo, girl had some travel time. <laughs> She's like, I have all of September written. This is what you need to research. And I'm like. Where now? I'm sorry, what what Katie is this? Can when Katie has come back from Scotland. I need to know. <laughs> I met my old self there, and I just like did a switcheroo oh, back wow. when I used to care. Um, no, uh, I I had food again. That's what it was because I didn't fast while I was there. I mean, I kind of did because I got goals and shit, but no extended fasting. Wow. Brain cells be working. Wow, real good. Um, not today though, because we're back on that grind. God damn it. I have this sparkling water here. All the ice is melted, though, so I don't think you're going to get any ice ASMR this episode. So it's just um, watered-down sparkling water. Watered-down sparkling water. Yes, that's what happened. Uh, It tastes like black cherry. I specifically picked it so the flavor would make me nauseous. This is my life. This is my life. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I did a lot of research on the plane, and I will tell you, uh, did not make friends with... So on the way there, I was on a window seat... The way back, I was in a middle seat. Did not make friends with either folks on either side of me. Uh, as the plane ride continued, and I continued to write more episodes of this show, uh, the people around me got more and more concerned, <laughs> so to say. <laughs> Originally, they were very friendly. We were from a similar area of the country, and uh, they told me all about their vacation, and I told them all about mine, and then I pulled my laptop off and out and started researching and um it got quiet <laughs> they were just like yeah what the and fuck? they and they kept taking bathroom breaks as well so i was like sir is your bladder like the size of i don't know a a snack bag or like what's the deal a ziploc snack bag possibly I, I, I think that they just um they were concerned and they <laughs> they probably went to talk to the flight they attendant. were like um They're like i'm gonna use, go to the restroom real quick. uh i don't i bet they were texting each other because they were actually a couple weird this couple so, this fucking like war games that these people play when they travel so i fly standby so i take the seats that nobody else takes on the airplane and i have a reason that i do that and it is because it is much cheaper and i am a cheap ass bitch um but we all knew that so this couple explained to me like I went for my seat and it was the middle seat as I said um and I took it because it had more leg room I could have sat further back in the plane but I would have um had less leg room but I would have had a window seat but I took the middle seat because I don't mind making friends and if they're nice maybe we can sleep on each other anyway 
Um, I get to my seat and it's this like older couple who are sitting in the aisle seat and the window seat and there's no one sitting in between because that's obviously my seat. And she was like, she like low key was like, yeah, mm -hmm. we, um, yeah, we booked these seats uh, and on the way there, we didn't have anybody sitting in the middle. So, yep. And I was like, well... (laughs) I'm here for eight hours all the way back, bitch. So enjoy it. It's like a skit where like they think that they have, you know, the the whole. Like, oh, yeah. Because I themselves. always board the plane last. And then you come in. Yes, I know you do. It irritates. I the like shit to out of stand. Me. It irritates the shit out of me. I don't like to wait in line. I like to stand. I like to sit because I don't like to be that awkward person trying to fight over everybody. The last one on the plane with my ass in their face trying to shove my bag into an overhead bin, but there's no room for your overhead bin because you're the last fucking person on the damn plane. Here's the thing. I never use the overhead bin because objects may have shifted while in travel. So I always (laughs) travel with the same exact backpack and I check everything else and I put that backpack under the seat in front of me so that I can grab it very quickly to access my tarot cards my phone charger and the snacks that i have packed for myself in my bag because nobody wants me hangry on an airplane you can tell we don't travel well together (laughs) yeah i mean you could just board before me like we could do that that could be a thing no (laughs) no we also, must board together. Also not that. I will stand and be uncomfortable. <laughs> also not that. Not that at all. Yeah, no. Um, so I, I'm curious, though. If you're a couple and you book, like, if you do that thing where one of you books the aisle seat and one of you books the window seat, like, do people do that? Is that a thing? Or is it just, like, these people? Like, what's the – because I feel like that's a hell of a gamble because either you get the seat empty and then it's like, fuck, yeah, we can, like, have sex on this airplane or – like you get a random, you get me you get, in the middle of you researching you a variety of occult topics, making you nervous <laughs> about whether or not she's going to actually down the plane. Like they're side eyeing and it's just like, let me tell you about coffin births. <laughs> like, let me, let me just turn you on to something Have you ever here. heard about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was great, though, because I was talking about my trip um, with them. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, we went to, you know, Blair Castle. And it was really great. And we went, you know, we walked through Glasgow and saw the university there. And, you know, all these places where they filmed Harry Potter. And it was all that great. And then, like, I pull out my computer and I start, like, working on the episode. And it's, like, a vastly different story of my vacation (laughs) and the things that I was doing. So there's that. Yeah, I don't know. I think what they thought they were going to do was book, have themselves a nice mm-hmm. empty seat, but mm-hmm. you can't do that, man. No, sometimes. Because what, listen, the thing is, is book the two seats together, and then at the end of the day, if there's nobody, then you can separate. For sure. That would be the smart way to go about it. Yeah, but, you know, for sure. They're probably not regular flyers. I guess, like we well, are. people don't like middle seats. I understand. It's it's an intelligent gamble, but it's still a gamble, folks. So just remember, the next time you go to do that, you could get me beside you. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of people that would love that. I'm glad that you're sure. <laughs> anyway, um, that was a long ass intro. So now it's probably time to get down to the motherfucking episode today. What are we talking about? We are talking about Edinburgh. Edinburgh. 
Edinburgh. It looks like, and this is for all my American friends, it looks like Edinburgh. It is most assuredly motherfucking not. So don't pronounce it that way. Edinburgh. I will, uh, some, it, actually anybody from Scotland. And Scotland doesn't even like Edinburgh that much. There's this weird like rivalry between Edinburgh and Glasgow. <laughs> no, there's, it's a thing. It's a thing. I didn't know this before I went, but there's this weird like rivalry between Edinburgh and Glasgow where like, you're either Team Edinburgh or Team Glasgow, and they're like, Glasgow is real Scotland. Like, that's the real, like, cultural, like, heart of of Scotland. And then the Edinburgh folks are like, no, but we're the capital of Scotland, and we also are the cultural capital of Scotland, and we have tourism and make lots of money. So there's this whole, like, argument between the two. Um, I loved both. I'm so into this. I'm like, yeah, it's I'm a, trying to figure out which side I would it's be. It's one of those weird undercurrents, kind of like how if you visited the United States and you had no idea of any of our history of Civil War and like how we're kind of like, mm. <laughs> hmm. Um, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I sense, but I mean, of course, they did not fight a fucking Civil War. Um, so there's that. But hey, there's still time. <laughs> So we're still history in the making, folks. Specifically, the Edinburgh that we're talking about today is not the Edinburgh that you might see if you were to arrive fresh off the boat, fresh off the plane, fresh and, off the runway, and walk down the streets of Edinburgh as they are today. We are specifically talking about the underground. Ooh, the underground. The underground. I feel like we need like a. Like a techno pop like sample there. Oh, I like, can put one in. I can put yeah. one in if you want me to. That's what I want. We'll I need that. that. Please I note. need that. If there isn't one when you hear this, then just note that I couldn't find one, got frustrated, said fuck it. Fucking <laughs> broken promises. Anyway. Um, so as always, we like to start off by thanking our research sources. Uh, including Historic UK, Weekend Weird, which is actually a really fun website. If you've never checked it out, go to Weekend Weird. It's very funny. Um, I think it's weekendweird.co.uk, though, because I was in the UK when I was writing this fucking episode. Um, and interestingly, the University of Iowa <laughs> was a research source for today's episode. So all of our listeners in Iowa, bless you the university of iowa the university of iowa yeah i was like what the fuck (laughs) but they had good research so there's there's someone there that just really loves the same shit we do going in on it going in on it and i hope that we have found our way to that person uh so thanking all of those research sources but we could not have done this episode without actually having toured the South Street vaults themselves in person with Mercat Tours out of Edinburgh. So I want to give a huge thank you to Margaret Ann, who is my lovely tour guide, who delivered me safely from the vaults to tell the tale. Uh, now, I'm not going to share too many of her stories today because I want our listeners to be sure to visit Market Tours next time they're in the Edinburgh area. Seriously, I know we have some people in the UK. It's a really cool tour if you've never done it. If you're in the States but you're traveling to the UK, check them out. Um, it's seriously a must-do. So wait, her name was Margaret Ann? Margaret Ann. She sounds like she's from Iowa. Margaret Ann. <laughs> Maybe she was undercover and her <laughs> Scottish accent was just amazing. <laughs> Fuck. Shit. Hmm. Hmm. Suspicious. Suspicious. All right. 
So without further ado, let's start in the 1980s, shall we? Oh, that was a great time. It's a great time to start. Yes. 1980s. It's when you started. Mm-hmm. It, you, cause you were born in... 1989. It's when you started. Okay. You, it's but still 80s. in the 80s. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought Kinda you like, meant like I was born in 1980, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. No. 80s. 80s, yes. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Remember we did that whole two-part episode on the 80s. Anyway... In the 1980s, specifically 1985, Nori Rowan, a businessman and former Scotland international rugby player, was renovating his tenement flat and knocked through a wall. I fucking feel you on that renovating pain, by the way, sir. I have done that. It is horrible. I feel you on that pain. Um, so Nori is renovating and he knocks through a wall that opens up into a hallowed out um, cave like space oh weird fucking strange (laughs) uh yes i just imagine him sticking his head and he's like hello so (laughs) being like a prototypical haunted heart listener before the haunted heart existed uh rowan called his son called him to come over basically and he was like over the next few years we are gonna remove this rubble in this space by hand because I'm curious about what this fucking space is. I don't know that I recommend doing that, but like, good on you for doing for being curious. Was he in a basement? I'm confused. Uh, yeah, I think okay. he was. He was like bottom floor. Oh, okay. I believe. All right. Um, don't quote me on that. I'm sorry, Scotland. I, let me just say right up top, if I get any of the fucking details wrong, I'm very sorry, Scotland. <laughs> There's a little bit of pressure on me because. The friend that I visited basically fucking specialized in this. Um, So if I get anything wrongly, I'm very sorry. Okay. So as Nori and his son goes, they discover um, all these sort of weird artifacts. They find oyster shells, toys, plates, and medicine bottles, which are curious things to find in a natural cave. Yeah. Yeah. The discovery of these artifacts was, in fact, just a precursor to what scholars would find down there in the dark. And just like that, a chance renovation error led to the exposure of a secret world that had lain hidden, empty, and forgotten under the streets of Edinburgh for over a century. I just imagine they walk down there and then they just find us podcasting in the dark or our skeletons from where we've been trying to start an episode for the past hundred years yeah that uh so in the 18th and 19th centuries Edinburgh's population increased exponentially from 49,000 to 136,000 over the course of 80 years this urbanization as our seventh grade history teachers would have termed it had a couple of different causes, but one of the main ones was that highland landowners were pushing out their peasantry in order to free up more land for agriculture and livestock. So the highlands is kind of like rural, Mm -hmm. right? Where we used to be from, right? And Edinburgh is kind of urban, where we're living now. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, So essentially you had all of these former feudal serfs who more or less had lived under the protection of whatever duke or earl or nobility had owned the land that they lived on in the highlands that were suddenly homeless because the dukes were freeing up more land for hairy coos. For what? Hairy coos. The fuck is that? Uh, A highland cow. 
Oh. But they're really hairy and fuzzy and adorable and my favorite things ever. Uh, and the Scottish call them hairy coos. Hairy coos. Hairy coos, which kind of makes sense because, you know, it's just hairy cow. Hairy cow. The Scottish, they're creative, a creative breed. <laughs> um, so there was also... Um, Another factor that was coming into play here, and that was uh, a little bit later in the 19th century, we have the Irish potato famine. Aye! One of many. Aye! So you had all you motherfuckers coming over, causing uh, a big wave of immigrants, which contributed to the overpopulation problem in Edinburgh. Hey. But, you know. Hey. What else is new, right? Boy. Watch out. Irish contributing to problems. Shocking. <laughs> anyway. <Fuck off. laughs> Anyway, so a bunch of those folks um, who were newly homeless uh, sought new homes in the big city. And in Scotland, at that time, that means Edinburgh. Overcrowding in the city became a huge issue, particularly in the already cramped tenements or apartment buildings that lined the cobble streets. Now, a quick geography lesson for you. For those of you who are not completely familiar with Edinburgh, so for those of you who are not Scottish, right? Because you people study your shit <laughs> aggressively. Uh, Edinburgh is a city that's organized around a huge castle that's built on top of a big-ass volcano that's wedged in between two big-ass valleys and right in front of a largish body of water or a loch. A loch. A loch. A loch. As they're called um, by locals. Um, and it's called Loch Lomond. So because of the natural geography of the city, you have the volcano on one side that they just figured, let's put a castle on it. <laughs> Roll the dice. It'd be fucking fine. Yeah. Cool. Um, I want a fucking volcano castle. Yeah. The Scottish are like, we don't give a fuck. That's where the castle's going. <laughs> Shit. Tell that volcano, think again. Go ahead and blow, motherfucker. Try me. <laughs> Pop off. So you have this castle on this big-ass volcano, these two big-ass valleys on either side, and right in front is water. So this is obviously not a city where it's possible for them to build out as the population expands. So Edinburgh adapts to that by building up. Rich people lived at the ground floor, middle-class people lived in the middle of the tenement buildings, and the lower classes lived at the very top. Interesting, as compared to how we live today. Yes. Well, if you think about it, then they didn't have elevators. So if you were poor, um, these buildings went up to 12 stories high. So if you were poor, you had to walk up a spiral staircase 12 stories outside the building. Ain't that some shit. And then when we finally got elevators, they were like, <laughs> Penthouse. Penthouse suite, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So poor sanitary conditions in the city resulted in widespread disease, specifically outbreaks of cholera. And let me tell you, the Scots are really fucking proud to explain exactly what they mean by poor sanitary conditions. Nearly every motherfucker in that town wanted to explain to me the toilet bucket that would be dumped out in the streets after a hearty shout of Guardy Lou what the fuck by the youngest a, member of the family. What's a Guardy Lou? So Guardy Lou was poorly translated from French, and I think it meant, um, oh shit, I can hear, I can hear the whole, <laughs> the whole, the whole city of Edinburgh screaming it at me. All of Scotland. Is I think it means because the response is "hold ye hand." I think Guardy Lou means like watch out or like 
on the lookout or something. And, and if you were, if you heard somebody shout Guardy Lou and you were walking down the street, you were supposed to shout back, hold ye hand so that they wouldn't dump their bucket out. But most of the time it was too late if you already heard the shout. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was poorly translated from French. Like, like mind your head. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Because remember how we were talking about the people who were living on the 12th floor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had a bucket too. Oh, I get it. It's like Stanley Tucci saying, gird your loins. Yeah. But, and so you don't. But he's dumping a bucket of shit and piss <laughs> on you from 12 stories above you. And also it's the 19th century. So you bathe probably like once a month. Yeah. Kind of like that. I imagine some motherfucker just. Yeah. Now let me just, guard Because <laughs> you know. Sure, you're 12 stories up. Nobody can fucking hear you. Now exactly. I said guard as I was dumping this fucking bucket. If you hate Absolutely. somebody, I would just like, just strategically wait for them to pass yeah. by. And I'd just say, guard motherfucker. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so there's all these people dumping their shit and piss into the streets. And by the way, they never actually took away the ordinance of, I think you could do it between the hours of like 10 p.m. and like. 7 a.m. or something and they never took that ordinance away so technically if you're in edinburgh you can just like fill a bucket with your shit and dump it into the street and they can't really arrest you because it's technically still legal if you want to do that and edinburgh wants you to fucking know that that is the thing that every single person in that fucking city will tell you about the toilet bucket they just love the idea that their ancestors used to just throw shit in the road i guess (laughs) because it was built and the reason that that worked, the reason that that was a thing, is because the city, of course, again, built on a hill in between these two valleys. So the road actually sloped down to Loch Lomond. So you could just dump all your shit in the road, and then it would slope on down. Uh, but, like, okay. It was helped along by the rain, obviously, because it rains all the time in Scotland. It okay. worked. It was a system. It uh, was I'm sure a the system. the city smelled great. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very pungent. Very pungent city. Um, so basically, as more and more people move in, you see the inherent problem here. The buildings get taller, and so does the river of fucking piss and shit in the streets. What lock do they call that? And the rich, the rich understandably get a bit fussy about this. So they all decide, which is, this is a beautiful, uh, phrase that I learned while I was in Scotland that I am making part of my vernacular. The rich people all decide it's time to fucking bolt. Bolt means get the fuck out of here. It has a very aggressive meaning in Scotland. Bolt. It's time yeah. to fucking bolt. Yeah. Time to fucking bolt. Well, because it's kind of like the poor people's, like, because you're on the bottom floor. So yeah. your fucking front of your damn house is getting splattered with mm-hmm. shit and piss. They said that the filth would splatter up to two stories up. So. Oh, look, our police friends are back <laughs> from the episode before last. Um, no, no, from our uh, smut episode. From every episode? Yeah. Because <laughs> they're always coming out. Um, yeah, I would be pissed off, too, if I was a rich man. And yeah. And, like, I just had to deal with shit and piss. You can't pressure wash that shit off, literally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could, but there was no pressure you washer. Can't. It wasn't invented. So where did they go? Invented. So uh, they move out of the heart of Edinburgh, away from the Royal Mile that's just under the castle, um, and they start establishing new town on the other side of the valley, right? So the problem, of course, was that all the trading and business was still happening over in Old Town, and that's also where literally all of the pubs were initially. 
Mm. Um, so the bourgeois needed a way to get across to Old Town. And that's where our story actually begins. In 1785, construction on the South Bridge connecting Newtown and Old Town began. Now, the bridge was compre- completed. Completed? Completed. Completed. It was completed. Completed. Um, the bridge was completed in a very rushed fashion around three years later in 1788. They were trying to get to those pubs, man. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Motivation. Motivation for a Scottish person. Um, and if you thought we'd become a history podcast, because I know this is wearing thin for some of you, sit tight, because this is where it gets spooky, motherfucker. Did you think I came back without a treat for you? <laughs> think again. Mama provides. So Scottish legend has it that South Street Bridge was cursed from the very beginning. When the bridge first opened, the wife of a well-respected Edinburgh judge was chosen to be the first person to cross it. However, she died just days before the opening. Great timing, slut. I I thought you were going to tell me she was the first person to cross it, and then she literally crossed it, and the whole thing just fucking crashed or fell in Mm. or something. Mm. Wow. I mean, they did rush. No, so she she dies a couple days before the opening, and um, the Scottish, being a determined-ass people, they were not bothered as they put it. And rather than finding a replacement for the dead woman, city officials held to their original promise. The judge's wife was indeed the first person to cross the South Street Bridge, but she crossed it in her coffin. Oh, that's morbid. Not a great omen. That's, that is so morbid. It's like a great idea. The Scots are kind of morbid. Are, wait, no. Like, I'm, I'm into it, kind of. I, I, I appreciate it. It seems like a bad idea. If if it's going to be a public bridge, maybe not the first person should. Uh, well, I could see it going either way, should though. Be dead. Like, what if someone else crossed it and then her ghost was like pissed because she couldn't be, she wasn't the first one to go across it? Mm. I think it's pretty respectful. Yeah, but true. here's my thing Was she really the first person to cross it? Because if they made this bridge. Who the fuck carried her? My right. question. Who carried her? But also, this bridge had to be built. By people who I'm sure. Well, I think it was like a it. symbolic thing. Those people were poor. We don't give a shit about them. Oh, they don't that's matter. Right. Oh, that's right. That's Fuck. right. Fuck. They live on the 12th floor. Who gives a shit? <laughs> They're in the penthouse suite on the 12th floor. Fuck yeah. We don't give a shit about them. <laughs> They're Beyonce. I'm in my penthouse, have Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing this bucket of shit out, bucket of shit <laughs> out my window. Got a new motherfucker. Got a new motherfucker. <laughs> Anyway, ever since that day, according to legend, the bridge has been plagued by unfortunate incidences and supernatural experiences. So, it's 1788, we have this bridge, and there's a shit ton of space beneath it for shops and workshops and shit like that. Because Mm -hmm. the bridge at that point in time was built with 19 arches. And space is good because, remember, in Edinburgh, we don't have a lot of it. So shortly after the grand opening, the enterprising Edinburghers, which is very hard to say three times fast, decided to use those 19 arches that supported the bridge to create 120 semi-separate rooms to serve as shop spaces for local retailers. Evidence has been found of cobblers, cutlers, smelters, victuallers, which I don't even know what that fucking is. A what? Uh, victuallers. 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 
V-I-C-T-U-A-L-L-E-R-S. Okay, cool. Right, uh, and sure. milliners, which I know what that is, they make hats. Occupying the space. Now I'm terrified that they made shoes, but we're moving on. <laughs> that didn't last long, though. As early as 1795, just seven years after the South Street Bridge opened, businesses began abandoning the vaults, as they were called. Oh, a victualler is a person licensed to sell alcoholic liquor. You're killing my fucking vibe. Okay. So, seven years later, 1788, um, bridge opens. Seven years later in 1795, all these retailers are just abandoning ship, basically. Wow, okay. So, why did they move out? Thanks for asking, oh, Kenny. Oh, oh, oh. <clears throat> why did they move out? Good job. That was great. Uh, in their haste to get the bridge completed, the builders forgot one critical step for building a bridge in Scotland. They forgot to waterproof the bridge. What the fuck? <laughs> was it a bridge over water? Don't. Uh, so no, it was over that valley, that big right. valley that we talked about. But with the Scottish weather being what it is, which oh, is rainy it's not, as it's gonna fuck. Be, it's going to, um, you know, you're going to get that yeah. shit that happens with wood when it gets wet. Warped. Well, it was made of stone. It was oh. made of stone. Sorry, I should have said that. It was made of stone. So it's not like a wooden bridge. Um but the problem was, because the bridge wasn't waterproofed, it leaked. Hmm. So things very quickly got a little damp. And that's not all, unfortunately. Remember the toilet buckets that the Edinburgh populace is so excited to tell everybody about? Yeah. 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 As folks continued to empty their waste into the streets directly above the vaults, the sewage seeped through the ceilings of the shop spaces, making it impossible to run a respectable business down there. Well, of course not, because you got shit coming down your walls. Yes. Um, so this is a detail that was shared with me only after I was standing in the vault, uh, and then I was told that it wasn't waterproofed, and the walls actually are always damp to the touch Ugh. from the rain that comes down all the time. So more on that later. We'll hop back onto that. You're, you're like a, in a room that has like over 200 year old shit and piss on the walls. Like, I mean, probably. It's fine. It's not going to hurt me now. Now it's like fossils. Fuck it. So the respectable businesses move out because it's too damp and filthy. But as all our listeners know, a respectable business or podcast isn't the only kind of business around. <laughs> as the legal businesses moved out, illegal businesses moved in. And in the late 18th and early 19th century, that meant prostitutes, bootleggers, and yeah, body snatchers. Ooh. Birkin hair, anybody? Body snatchers? Body snatchers. So, all right. Well, you said... You said um, you would have brothels there, right? Or are they called brothels in Scotland? Uh, not, so they were—they weren't—they weren't brothels. They were a place where, if you needed to take somebody somewhere to have sex, you could do that. A motel. Six. If you were, yeah, kind of, kind of. Okay. Yes. Uh, they'll always leave the light on for you. They will. They won't tell you what you'll see in that light. <laughs> you might prefer the light <laughs> off. I'm gonna tell you what. That's how it should be. We'll leave the light off for you. Don't turn it on. <laughs> We don't recommend it. Welcome to the haunted 
Lionheart Heart Hotel. <laughs> yeah. Don't turn that fucking light on. We'll leave the light off for you, trust oh. me. We'll put a candle in your room. It's fine. And you'll be good. It looks better. Anyway. So, yes, prostitutes and bootleggers were reasonably run-of-the-mill in those days, given the insanely high tax on whiskey that the government had imposed as the drink became popular among Edinburgh's elite after French wine was, um, like, what the tariffs on French wine were jacked up, and it was really expensive and in short supply. Um, but the real standout in the Edinburgh vaults were the body snatchers, and business was booming. What is a body snatcher? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> that um, was legitimate. I, I've never heard of the term like oh, body really? snatcher before. Yeah. Oh, buckle up, my friend. Uh, during this time period, scientists were really kind of expanding their knowledge of the human oh, body. I know where this is going. And the unfortunate part was that bodies were in short supply because people, really? yeah, because so a lot of people died really often, but. Um, Religion was a huge thing, and so people wanted to have religious burials, and people were very superstitious about, like, allowing scientists to cut up their bodies and shit like that. So if you had a loved one who passed away, more than likely you would want them buried with religious rites because okay. you would believe that by giving them over to science, like, Just you like, would damn their souls to hell eternally. I find it hard to believe that there was a lack of bodies. <laughs> well, there were plenty of bodies, but they were they were buried yeah, okay. with religious rites, which, yeah. which we'll get They're to. not trying to donate their body to science at this point. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, we can fix that. So <laughs> it wasn't unusual in those days for shady deals to be made by the medical school in the name of science. In fact, there's a curiously chilly tunnel that runs directly from the medical school into the most damp, cold room in the vaults under South Street Bridge. And I've seen it with my own eyes. So what they think this room was used for, um, there are a couple different types of body snatchers, right? The typical body snatcher is um, somebody who, after dark, when the sun's gone down, sneaks into the graveyard and tries to avoid the gravekeeper. Right? Yes, of course. And the groundsman. Um, digs up a freshly buried body. Has to be freshly buried. Freshly buried. Um, so they would usually like walk around and like take note of who was having funerals or they'd grab like... <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and they would mark. And then they'd come back later that evening, dig up the grave, take the body, drag it to the vaults, and store it there overnight. Then they would take it to the medical center, um, like the next day or something. Because if you, it was illegal. So if you got caught trying to steal a body to sell it to the medical school, then you were fucked, right? But if nobody caught you, then you could turn a quick buck. I just think it would be funny and awfully suspicious if you had someone, you're like having your funeral and you're having your moment, and there's just a guy coming around with like a fucking notepad, and he's like, uh huh. Mm hmm. Check. And yeah. Walks yeah. And they think that so during the winter, there's enough um, like dark hours that you could, if you worked really hard, dig up a body, refill the hole so that nothing was suspicious, carry it to the medical school, do a shady dealing with the medical school and then get back inside before anybody caught you. But in the summer, there's not enough time. So they think that that room was potentially used by body snatchers to hide bodies 
okay. Makes sense. Um, And I've seen that fucking tunnel. It's very scary. It's super dark. It's a no good tunnel. A no good tunnel. A no good tunnel. Did Katie you get any, and the like, no good, very bad tunnel. Did you? We're not talking about your porn video, Katie. Uh, we are talking about this tunnel. Did, did you feel like, was there, so was there like bad energy around it? Well, I'll talk about that closer to the end. Oh. We're going to dig into that. Oh, okay. It's going to get real energetic. Fuck my dialogue, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, the vaults weren't just a place for illegal businessmen. <laughs> no, um, too many of this party gets sad, so enjoy that last laugh. Um, to many of Edinburgh's most desperate souls, the vaults were actually a home. Mm. Many of the folks who arrived in the city that I was talking about earlier, right? People who were being forced out from the Highlands and the Irish. Murder you. Many of those folks arrived at the city completely destitute. They didn't know anybody in town and they had nowhere else to go. And thus they were forced to go underground, literally, into the vaults to try their luck at surviving in the darkest, dankest, dirtiest part of town. We know this for a fact because the excavations have turned up all sorts of household devices that would not otherwise have been present in the vaults without domestic occupancy. Um, things like kettles, tea kettles, dishes, um, kids' clothing. Um, imagine for a moment being so desperate that you have to go live underground in the midst of all that crime that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, because that's what the, the gentleman at the beginning of your story found, right? Like when he... Yeah. Opened up the... Yeah. He was fine. Like, they yeah. found, like, artifacts and things. Imagine trying to raise your children next to a body-snatching outfit. An outfit? An outfit. Like a Like, like a, oh, a you mean, like, the room, like, the... Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Like, can you imagine... Like, it's just insane. Anyway. Um, by the 1860s, though, most of the inhabitants of the vaults had been driven out, and as occupants left... The city filled each of the 120 rooms with rubble so as to prevent flooding and discourage ongoing crime. And there they lay, hidden under the feet of Edinburgh's millions of visitors and citizens for the next 120 years. Notice that coincidence, because I didn't notice it until I was writing this episode. 120 rooms that were hidden for 120 years. Wow. Very that weird. Is, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Right. So... Why are we talking about these vaults on Haunted Heart, Katie? What the fuck have you done? You went Why away. are we talking about these vaults on the Haunted Heart, Katie? What have you done? Because they're haunted as fuck, I would imagine dude. so. I mean, shit. Yes. Since their rediscovery in the 1980s, there have been numerous reports of paranormal activity inside the vaults. After a small section was opened to visitors in the 90s, many visitors have reported experiencing a range of paranormal activity from disembodied voices to full-blown apparitions. One of the most famous spirits is said to still haunt uh, the vaults is a young boy named Jack, who will casually just grab a hold of guests' hands or tug on their trousers. To us, <laughs> no, ma'am. To us dumb Americans, that's pants. <laughs> As they explore the vault where the bootlegged wine was held. 
No, no, ma'am. I'm sorry. Ghost kid about to get smacked the fuck up. (laughs) You touch my damn hand. The wine vault, however, isn't the only area that's teeming with activity. One of the most coveted vaults has been nicknamed the Occult Chamber due to the fact that it was used for many years by local occult practitioners. Well, that sounds like a great bar that I would love to attend. Fuck yeah, man. I would love to record in there. (laughs) The room, it said, was used as a sacred space for a number of terrible rituals. There's rumors of that same area being used by a local satanic sect who, according to legend, sacrificed a woman on a mysterious squarish rock in the center of the room after torturing her for days. Hmm. Ooh. Very original. Doesn't sound like Satanism to me, fam, but you do you, boo-boo. Sure. So original. Sure. You're just going to sacrifice the money. In the tavern room, now the I do have to mention, disclaimer, the occult chamber is the only room that I did not go to because it was left out of my tour, which is significant, and we'll talk about that more at the end. All of the shit happening at the end. <laughs> Get to it already. <laughs> Get to it. So there's also the tavern room uh, where visitors have reported seeing a very well-dressed, mustachioed man, complete with a top hat, coattails, and a cane, that um, the present owners of the vaults have nicknamed him the Aristocrat. And he is usually found leaning against a wall, smirking at the living as they tour the site. Um, Yeah. mm. They say that he's a sinister presence, but he's not like actively malevolent got it um then there's the cobbler who seems to be a benevolent presence by all reports he sits in a cell that used to serve as his workshop and will occasionally like glance up at visitors and smile before he returns to his work um on a soul because <laughs> he's a cobbler and he, and he builds shoes wait, but he's also a spirit which wait, is kind of like a soul joke. No, I wrote that one myself. It was really good. That sounds like, that sounds like a tourism joke. Oh, no. I wrote joke. that one myself, but I might shoot Margaret Ann an email because she should, she should have that. That's good. I was on the plane and I was like. <laughs> she said, eh. and that's when the couple beside her looked over and then looked at each other and said, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's time to fucking bolt. <laughs> you keep fucking with me if we ever lose stay spooky i'm ending this show on time to fucking bolt like we gotta go all right so also in the cobbler's room there's reports of rocks and candles being propelled through the air um as though they're thrown when no one is in there so that's the thing it does not have a draft Arguably, though, the most famous ghost of the vaults is one mr boots uh-uh nah no, 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 no. Mr. Boots? Yeah, these boots are made for walking right out this fucking vault. I'm going to tell you that much right now. We're not doing it. Goodbye. Love your shoes. That's all I want Like, what a name. Mr. Boots. It sounds very malevolent. Yeah. But in, like, a very childlike way. You know what I mean? Like, it's like Mr. Boots. Like, he would be a very sinister, very malevolent, like, demon who tries to snatch mm-hmm. kids or, like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's very mm-hmm. much that. That's mm-hmm. what I get. So, he is a shabby, tall man who appears to roam from room to room all throughout the vaults. Mm-mm. 
He's been known to toss stones at passersby to get their attention, and many people who found themselves at the back of their group have heard the sound of his heavy footsteps following behind them as they explore the darkened corridors. No, bitch. I got chills. No, ma'am. We're not doing that. He is a markedly malevolent presence and is not a nice guy. Rumor has it that's because he was an amateur body snatcher. But remember when I said there were a couple different types of body snatchers? Yeah. Not all of them got their bodies by digging up graves. Rumor has it that Mr. Boots' first victim was an unlucky prostitute. Some sources say that he killed her and sold her body to the medical school, allegedly in pieces, which were easier to transport through the tunnel. Others, though, say that he simply kept her body in his house, which would be his cell, for days. Although that's highly unlikely since selling one's Selling a body in those days meant that you could afford not to work for months. The med school students were, like, really hungry for bodies, y'all. What the fuck? Med schools. Never trust not, them. They, they never asked any questions. They no. Was like, here is the leg of a woman. Yep. It's fresh. Well, a whole uh, body would fetch a better price than a piece of a body, but... Um, yeah, they didn't ask many questions, and it's. It, I think it's unlikely that... He would have kept a body for that long unless there was a specific reason that he couldn't take it to the medical school. But um, if he did, that was fucked because I don't know why you wouldn't want to sell it as soon as possible. But if he did actually hoard her like in his cell, well, that that's even scarier to you me. You didn't have the methods of preservation that, you, that we do now. No, 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 so no. So you no. would have to like sell it because I mm-hmm. would only assume that the – uh, very shady uh, medical students would want a fresh body so that way you yeah. could, you know, they could study decomposition better. Right, exactly. Or whatever. So if he did keep it, that leads a to weird. a whole other motivation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a little weird. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little weird, buddy, Mr. Boots. Yeah. Oh. So... In 2003, BBC radio producer Debbie McPhail took the Edinburgh Vault's owner into the tunnels to record an interview, one that had absolutely nothing to do with ghosts. And yet, upon playing back the audio of the interview, McPhail noticed a new voice, one that wasn't with them at the time, telling them to get out. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. All right. No, you good. Which is probably similar to what you could hear on our podcast, editing it back, except it would say, stop listening. <laughs> what the fuck this are you doing? This is trash. This is bullshit. Fuck <laughs> off. So all this talk of ghosties brings us to a question. Why are these fucking vaults so haunted? Well, Why are these fucking vaults so haunted, Katie? There you go. So first off, remember the part where we told you that Edinburgh has water all around it? Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm, Scotland itself has water all around it. This is true. Right? This is a fair point. (laughs) So Loch Lomond 
and also The Water of Leith, which is um, the most romance novel name for a river that I've ever fucking heard the in my life. The Water of Leith? The Water of Leith. Yeah, it's great. Um, Sounds like a Nicholas Sparks novel waiting to happen. Yes, so The Water of Leith and The Loch. <laughs> Uh, those you have that shit. Those are really important details. It's also important that the bridge was never waterproofed. So rainwater and you know the other kinds of water, shit water that we talked about, piss water, all that stuff leaked down into the vault, keeping the walls damp to the touch to this very day. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners know where I'm headed with this. Good job, I you spooky don't. kittens. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Water acts as an extremely effective conduit and amplifier for spiritual energy. So the perpetual dampness of this particular location is a big amplifier of paranormal activity. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So this is why I freaked the fuck out when Margaret Ann told us about the bridge not being waterproofed and the walls being damp to this day. And I reach out and touch the wall and it's damp to my touch. Holy fuck. Like, huge amplifier of paranormal activity there. In addition to that, though, I really can't overstate how awful life was for the people who lived in these vaults. The heinous acts happening all around them, the murder, dismemberment, body snatching, thieving, rape, and just the general desperation that they must have felt would have no doubt contributed to the spiritual residue to be found in the vaults even today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that I experienced even in the short time that I was down there. So now I'll kind of, I guess, segue into having told the story of the vaults, I'll kind of segue into my experience of them. So um, I've been obviously being your resident spooky bitch. Um, I've been on all kinds of ghost tours. I've been on all kinds of paranormal tours. I actually haven't even really talked to Kenny about this until on air because I wanted to tell you about it on air. Yeah. Um, Live reaction here, folks. You're getting it. It's genuine. I wanted it to be live for you. Keeping it fresh like those bodies. Aw. So I've been on lots of ghost tours. I've done lots of stuff like that. I've you know, seen some things, I've felt some things we've talked about on the show before that I'm a whole lot more open to spiritual energy than Kenny. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of has shut that off and I'm a lot more open. Um, she's the pansexual. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so I was kind of, I mean, I, I've done a ghost tour before I kind of knew what to expect. I was like, okay, they're going to tell me a bunch of spooky stories in the dark and like I'm here for it. I'm living for it. Um, but I don't think that I was quite prepared for what this experience was. Mm, okay. Um, there's a couple different sections that you can tour of the underground city because it's not just the vaults. There's actually other, you know, lower tenement buildings that you could tour um, that are not street level now. They're actually a little bit below the street. There's Mary King's Close. Um, if which is a, also a cool place to visit and also very haunted. Um, couple experiences there as well. But this place was radically different. Um, I've been in lots of old buildings. As we descended the stairs, there's a familiar smell of a place where the air is kind of stale, where um, it's really, really old. There's that damp, decay sort of smell. Um, that was not new to me. 
Um, walking into the first room, which is actually called the double height room, you can look at pictures of it online. Um, there's a narrow hallway that kind of leads to that. And walking down that hallway, I'm like, okay, like there's definitely a shift and a gravity that comes with being somewhere that's old. Um, and so I kind of felt that in that hallway. But as we walked into the double height, the double height room, there was just a weight that just came down on my chest. And like, if I had been blindfolded, I would think that you put like a weighted vest on me. It was that noticeable. Um, it was hard to breathe. It was very, 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 very fucking hot. So hot. Um, my face was like on fire. My chest was on fire and, and it was just so heavy, right? Oppressive. Um, in the double height room, there's lots of, um, I noticed lots of like shadowy corners. Um, they pause early on in the tour to kind of show you, like they stop all talking, right? And you're the, by the way, when they do this tour, you're the only people who are down in the vault. They do not do multiple groups. They have one group at a time that's down. When that group comes up, the next group goes down. It's not like a multiple group type thing. So there's no one in this vault with you other than the people that you're traveling with and your guide. Mm. So, um, they pause early on to show you that you really can't, cause it is right underneath Edinburgh city center. So there's a bunch of hubbub going on above. There's cars, there's people, there's horses, there's all kind, all manner of Scottish fuckery. Um, <laughs> but they pause early on to show you that you can't hear any of that down in the vaults. It's like soundproofed naturally. It right. wasn't something they fucking did on purpose. Right. Let me tell you, forgot to waterproof Imagine it. So that. don't think they soundproofed. Shit. Kate probably helped that out a little bit. Yes. So, and that's important because when you walk into the next room, we started hearing like pebbles being thrown in the room beside us. And it would have been easy to like write that off to more people being in the vaults. But again, it's only one group at a time and no one in our group was throwing pebbles. You could have written it off to, like, the street above, but, like, they just showed you that you can't hear anything. So where are those pebbles coming from? And the guides that you go down with, like, they're very heavily trained on this, and they just don't acknowledge it. While we were standing in that room, the, it's it's called the tavern. The double height room leads into the tavern. Um, two rooms over, in a small room that's on the other side of the double height room, we started hearing this, like, banging and we heard it like three times. Again, could have blamed it on the street above, but they had already fucking showed you that you can't hear anything from the street above. So what is that? Guy did not notice it at all. Margaret Ann was like stone cold on that shit. She was like not acknowledging it as it happens. And so you're standing there and you're like, I can fucking hear something beating on this wall. And they just like, it's almost like gaslighting. They just, they just don't acknowledge it. So as well you, as pebbles being thrown in the room beside me. So did did other members of the tour like hear any hear it, notice it? Like some it, it was it one of those things where some people did, some people didn't. Nobody brought it up. But that's, my friend and I could both hear it. That's weird. 
Um, but some people did. There was there was this amazing man who looked very much not like the type of guy that would be in a place like this. Like he was a bigger dude. He was tall. He was like sturdy looking, and he had like a like a button up shirt on and jeans. Like he just didn't look like the witchy type, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And he's like standing in the threshold of every door and I just keep like catching his eyes because I'm freaking out and like I keep catching his eyes accidentally and he's fucking freaking out. He has like his fists, like his hands are in fists and they're on his hips. And at one point he just like leans down and puts his hands on his knees and you could tell he was not having a good time. (laughs) Like we were not having a good time together. I mean, I was living, but also fucking very concerned because I've never had an experience that was as overwhelming as that one um the entire time that I was down there it I was I had that weight on my chest I felt like I could not breathe I was hot even though there was no reason to be hot I was underground underground it's usually cooler and it was a structure that was made of stone there is no reason for it to be hot it has no electricity it's lit by candlelight um there were many rooms that had shifty corners. And if you know what I mean, it's when you step into a room and it's, it's not a trick of candlelight. It's, it's not a trick of anything. You can see forms of darkness moving in corners Mm -hmm. and it's not a shadow because it's not, it has mass and it's moving. Um, I experienced that in the double height room, very first room that we walked into. Wow. Um, it was not a good time. It was, they were not friendly shapes of darkness. Um, so throughout there was just this feeling of desperation. There was this feeling of drowning. There was this feeling of just like overwhelming oppression. Um, to be honest, I really enjoyed it. Um, I love that I could bring the story back to you guys, but to be honest with you, by the time that I was in the last room, I thought I was going to pass out. Um, it was at that point, it was really not fun. And when I finally got upstairs and got out, I had to walk like two streets over before I could kind of like breathe. Like shake it off. Yeah. Um, so who knows? I, um, I think it's a place. I think a lot of that, desperation both of the people who were running illegal businesses because that's the only way that they could turn a buck in their day and the especially the people who had to go down there to live because they were literally homeless and they had nothing else they had no other options I think that a a desperation like that is enduring and I think that that leaves behind a spiritual energy that persists I also think um, the number of just heinous things that happen there, murders, rapes, I think things like that leave a spiritual residue. And I think that that also contributes to why this is one of the most paranormal places on the globe. Um, And then you have the water that's always there, always kind of amplifying. Um, So it's kind of like a perfect storm for a haunting, honestly. Like it's a cycle. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. The the water amplifies what's happening, and then it's like you know cycled back. Yeah. And just sort of holds everything in there. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um. mm. I got. I have to say, I got chills when you mentioned the the Mister Boots character. Mm -hmm. Like hairs on my head. I. mm -mm. I would have loved to have um, 
probably been there, but mm, nah. I would I would like to go back and take you one day just to see what your experience is because I am naturally you know before I go into a space like that or I mean naturally I'm more open, but going into a space like that you know I kind of try to like prep a little bit and like kind of open open myself up spiritually and be receptive to any energy or anything like that. So I kind of try to get in the headspace of like, because I think that, um, I think that experiences like that, paranormal experiences are a combination of, I don't necessarily know that it's just something that you see and you're completely unprepared, completely, um, un, that you're an unwilling participant, right? I think that most of the time when you get somebody who's experiencing some sort of spiritual energy, they are open in some way spiritually to that. You're, so I think it's kind of a give and take. You kind of, if you bring yourself and you're open and you bring your energy to it and you have an energy that's inviting and open, right? Then you're more likely to experience those things because I think you have your consciousness has to bring something to it as well kind of like how I think with aliens you they're not necessarily physical beings they exist in a space between the spiritual and the and the physical and you have to kind of go halfway and then they meet you halfway right so that you can have an experience like that I think it's the same way with ghosts um so I kind of try to do the prep work and be open and and kind of experience it. But this is the type of place where I, I mean, even if you're not somebody who is very spiritually sensitive, you know, it's possible that you could still have an experience there because it just is so fucking teeming with activity. Like it's such a magnet for spiritual activity. Mm. Yeah. I'd love to go. Um, I would love to take you and I would take you because I love you, but it would be very difficult knowing the way that I felt going through it once. It would be difficult to go back. I'm not saying I wouldn't. I love Edinburgh. You're a lovely city. Your vaults are fabulous and spooky and haunted. Um, But it would be difficult to descend the stair knowing that feeling now. Is this the place that you took um, that picture no i didn't that was a different place i didn't take any pictures in these vaults it's not um i don't i don't think it's banned to take pictures in them but i didn't want to because of the way it felt like i didn't i was not interested i have seen a picture of an apparition in the south street vaults online um that is very reputable it's been checked out by several different sources and they all say that that there's no way it could be replicated um i did take several photos in um mary king's close uh, one of which there's potentially a spirit in the background of. And the um, I posted on our Instagram several days ago a spirit of a witch who was drowned in Loch Lomond, um, who was crawling. Her ghost can be seen crawling back up the hill. And I did capture um, a pretty yeah, clear image, actually. Fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah, that was very that was very cool. But that did not have negative feelings associated with it. The only place that I got like hella, hella bad vibes was the vault. Right. Um, Mary King's Close is great. Um, if you don't, you know, if you're like, I don't want to feel like that. Um, like the way I'm describing about the vaults, go see Mary King's Close. It's still spooky. It's still cool, but it's mostly good vibes only. Um, 
if you're somebody who is a little bit more willing to experience those emotions that I was talking about, the South Street vaults are cool, but be prepared. If you are somebody who's very spiritually um, open, uh, it may be a bit more than you bargained for. Wow. Perhaps. Well, that was lovely. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I think it was, like, super fucking long. How long are we fucking tracking? Uh, We're at, like, a minute, an hour, a minute. A minute? (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. I cannot tell that story again. We've only been doing this for 60 seconds, Katie. What are you talking about? My fucking spirit of desperation is going to be trapped in this room. Uh, an hour and seven minutes. So, oh, right awesome, time, much, fabulous. Um, yeah. So, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, really appreciate you going halfway across the world for an episode. Fuck yeah! I was like, this is business travel. Like, this is for work. But not one single person asked me like business or leisure, so that I can say both. My business is leisure. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, so about time to do the wrap up. How about you do the wrap up? I've been talking too fucking much. Everybody's tired of my voice. You want me who to do the wrap up? You want me to do the wrap I up? I want you to do the wrap up. Oh my god. Blow the well, dust off of it. Well, let's see. Uh, you already talked about the Facebook group uh, at the beginning, but... Join yeah, the so fucking Facebook group. Join the fucking Facebook group. Get up on there. We have a bunch of cool shit that goes down there. Um, quite like in the vaults, apparently. Mm. Um, no. Uh, good vibes. Good vibes. Uh, so, yes, if you would like to stalk us on social medias, if you'd like to see the picture that Katie was talking about that she posted up on our Instagram, you can... Uh, Open up that Insta app and go to the Haunted Heart podcast and search us and you'll find us there and all of our uh, creepy shit. If you're uh, on Twitter, you can find us at the Haunted Heart and you won't find us on SoundCloud, um, but you can, wow, you can get the hell out of Dodge. I don't know. You know what he said? You know what he said? Time to fucking bolt. bolt. I don't know if you guys heard that sweet burnout that that uh, 18-year-old unemployed kid <laughs> just did, but fucking rock on. He's got to get to his shift at the McDonald's. Uh, so, yes, what was I saying? Um, yes, so definitely check us out on Twitter at The Haunted Heart. Um, please like, rate, and review us. Like, yeah, shoot app. us some reviews, guys. We like to read reviews on the show, um, only we don't fucking have any. No, I'm kidding maybe a little i'm a little kidding um but review us if you listen to the show um please shoot us a review um and give us them five stars you know we work hard for it yeah and even if you're we work hard for the money even if like however you're um whatever you use to listen to if it doesn't have like um a a way to rate us then like just fucking open up that podcast app like if you have an apple iphone and then write us there. Just That's fucking fine. use it anyway. It's fine. <laughs> no. Use it anyway. But I um, love the reviews. I love to hear what you guys think. Um, we take all the feedback. So, And if you want to send more feedback, you can email us at thehauntedheartpodcast.gmail.motherfuckingcom. Gmail.com. Um, oh, we didn't plug the Patreon this episode. Damn. Well, here it is, folks. If you <laughs> want to give us money so that you can continue to listen to us do this bullshit and help support this bullshit... Um, then you can go to patreon.com slash the haunted heart. Uh, we've got a bunch of different tiers on there. Uh, we're actually about to record some smut. 
Smut is smut, smut. Because we do smut readings on there. Gotta do it. Uh, We do scary story readings. And we do full length, full girth bonus episodes uh, that we post once a month there for uh, certain levels of our family. So make sure you go and check it out. You can donate for as little as a dollar or as much as $500 million. I mean, either way, we're happy. (laughs) That doesn't even seem like a real amount of money. $500 $500 million, I can guarantee you it is. Oh, yeah. Right. I will never see it, right. but that's fine. I'm actually, um, in the way of bonus content, I'm actually um, scheming to do a uh, little bonus episode. It won't be the full lengther, because um, full length, full girth for you guys. Um, but I'm going to drop some bonus content on there with my friend that I was actually traveling with in Scotland, and we're going to kind of talk about ghosties and goblins and myths and all manner of Scottish fuckery uh, on there. So if that's something that you're interested in, definitely head over to patreon.com slash the haunted heart so that you can join us and get that content. Yeah. Well, we're at uh, an hour and 12 minutes now, so we're pretty much right there. We're hitting. (laughs) Damn, we are good. I love how you're like clocking us this episode. Right on the money. I'm clocking us every episode. That's what happens when you are an editor. Uh, So yeah. No, I wouldn't know. Well, I'm just the talent. Yeah, sometimes. It's fine. Anyway. Until next time, folks. You know what you got to do. You always got to do it. Always. You got to stay spooky. And guardy Lou!